How's it going? Welcome back to the Love Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz, a.k.a. The Blade Man, and I am here to bring you all kinds of great content, extras, and everything you're looking forward to coming up on the Love Watch channel. This week, Justin and I reviewed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We're going to get a chance to listen to that, and we're giving you sneak peeks onto two upcoming segments that you guys are going to see next week, so stay tuned for that. But first, Let's head straight in to our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going to warn you guys, the audio gets a little wonky about two-thirds to three-fourths of the way through. We had a uh, recording malfunction and had to use the camera audio, so it gets a little wonky at the end there. But still, it's a great review, a great conversation, so make sure you listen to the whole thing. Here's our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hey! You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. What up, everybody? Hey! We here. Damn it. I saw you about to say it, too. I was. It's... That's my catchphrase. Um, we are here to talk to you about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so, Ricky, what was it like first time you saw this movie? Huh? Um, yeah, uh, the first time I saw this movie, I actually it was really uh, actually a pretty awesome experience. Um, some high school, not high school, some college buddies of mine actually flew in to Los Angeles uh, to see the movie with me. Nice. It was really, really cool. So we actually uh, went and saw it at the Hollywood Theater in, oh, okay. in Hollywood. Yeah. On the Hollywood Boulevard. So it was really awesome to go. The to Hollywood that. referenced in this film? Yeah, the Hollywood. Oh, okay. The Hollywood Boulevard that you see in this movie wow. quite frequently is where, actually, I think at one moment they passed the Chinese Theater in this movie. Like, yeah. No, I so I, I was like, I actually was watching the movie in the Chinese Theater while he passed the Chinese Theater. Nice. Yeah. So it was really, it was a really fun experience. Um, the film itself I had a lot of fun with and it was a really, really fun time, uh, at the movies and it was cool to have my buddies there. So it made it, uh, a very special movie for me to look back on and be like, I had a great experience going to see that movie. Yeah. Uh, how about yourself, Justin? Um, yeah, I love this film, man. I really, mm-hmm. this is another one of my favorite films of the year. Yeah. Um, it's just so enjoyable, man. It's so much fun to watch mm-hmm. and I think... This might be a hot take, but DiCaprio gives his best performance of his career. Yeah, he one of them, if not if not the best. What do you got? What do you, what are his? Um, no, I I personally think this is his best performance. Yeah. Although I would put uh, his Wolf of Wall Street performance up there. It's up there too. Um, and I also uh, I love his performance in uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. When in the, as is one of his younger awesome performances. Okay. I really love Catch Me If You Can. It's one of my Solid. favorite movies. But yeah, the hot take is that he's. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's he's not only playing a very, really really cool kind of like meta version of like, act, actors and like potentially of himself in the near future kind of thing, mm. uh, but he's also playing these levels of like, of like, arrogance and self centeredness and egotistic. Yeah. But then also like super insecure. Mm. Like it's really cool to watch him go from like being like very full of himself, but also at the same time like. Completely insecure. Yeah. In, in, in like a second. It's well, so quick. I think that's what we, what we do in this film is we spend time with kind of three different levels of mm-hmm. the movie making business. We have Cliff, who's a stunt double and kind of lower mm-hmm. on the totem pole. We have Rick Dalton, who is, he has a 
career as a TV star, mm-hmm. but he's never been able to make that transition right. He's not, a, mm-hmm. and he's kind of seeing now a different Hollywood he's, take over. Right. It's no longer the westerns. It's now mm-hmm. becoming more of the free spirit and everything. And right. uh, then we see Sharon Tate as well, Margot Robbie, who gives a fantastic the up and coming star and Brad yeah. Pitt, of course. Um, yeah, and so we see these different levels, and uh, it's interesting. I was watching um, a behind the scenes featurette on mm-hmm. it, and. You know the the amazing scene that DiCaprio does when he goes into his trailer. And yeah, like, yeah, um, it's so great. Improvised, of course it was. Totally, of course. totally improvised. Of course. Uh, no, I mean they didn't even have it in the script. It was. Oh my god. They actually the scene where he's having his meltdown on mm. set um, when he just can't get the lines right. Um, he kind of convinced Quentin, like, I think this really has to be bigger and this guy has to be just, like, really reach this point. On the edge. And then Quentin was yeah. like, that was so good, but that means we need something more. We need to drive that mm-hmm. harder, so I need you to give me a Travis Bickle scene. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he did. He went in there and gave him a Travis Bickle. And, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, oh, man. It's, it's, that's why he's such a great mm-hmm. uh, character all throughout. Yes, he really is. Um, yeah, it was really... I mean, yeah, we have three of, like, the biggest stars in the world... Yeah. Leo, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie all at the top of their game in this movie. Like, yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Brad Pitt won the Best Supporting Actor for this film. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and he deserved it. He was really great and added this, like, cool factor to this whole oh, movie. Yeah. He mean, was Clifton so cool. Such a just cool dude. Yes. He's... And, but he's also someone who murdered his wife. Potentially. Oh, but Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> Question. Do you think he murdered his wife? I... I was thinking about that as I watched it this time. Because it's important. Because um, they put it out there so much in the movie and they never tell you. I don't know how he would have gotten off of that. Mm-hmm. Especially if they were framed. It seemed like they were framing it like he killed her that day on the right. boat. And I'm like, so she goes out to sea with him and doesn't return. Mm-hmm. How is that? How is anyone proving their innocence off right. of that? Um, well, you know, innocent so, uh, until proven know. guilty. True, but the I mean I think all signs would point to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. We see that you're missing a harpoon now. Yeah. Like your wife's gone. Yeah. You don't seem to care. You, you <laughs> drank this many beers. Yeah, no, I think he no. got pinned for sure. I don't. So, know you, so you're saying there's no way he he did it. I, I'm saying I'm at least what they curious. showed us. I'm saying I'm yeah. If again, I I would need Spin-off? to know if there is a, a different time that she was murdered. The mm-hmm. idea is like that, was, that just, was that it. was just showing us like how she nagged him. Mm. And then there was a different time. It's um, he way he does like does that look at the harpoon gun. Yeah, it's so good. That's well, like, I mean, his whole character is so awesome. He is oh. just a cool guy. Yeah, you want yeah. to have that Cliff Booth vibe, you minus the potential wife killing. Potential yeah. wife killing. You don't Not want trying that. to justify that. That's terrible. <laughs> you don't want um, that. <laughs> but he just got a cool vibe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really like this movie. Um, you're right. I watched it again like just last night, like yeah. just freshly, and it is just. Really, really fun and enjoyable. I think sometimes it it just ran a little long for me, like certain like shots and things like that. I think were overly drawn out for not a particular like purpose. Like there was that one moment, like right in the beginning of the movie, where uh, Cliff picks up uh, Rick from his house, right, and uh, we're kind of like in the car and we're zoomed in on that poster of Rick or that painting of Rick. Yeah. And it had just a smile. Mm-hmm. And it like stays there for like a good like twenty to thirty seconds. And it's mm-hmm. just like and then it just and then it slowly pulls out and then they get in the car and they go. And I'm and I and maybe this is just me not understanding what the purpose of that was. Mm-hmm. But like I was like, okay. Like I I get that it was it's kinda cool like to like pull out and then have them get in. Like it's visually stylistic, but I don't I didn't see the purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think that there were a lots of those types of moments throughout this movie where stylistically it was 
cool, but I think it added to the runtime of the movie. And uh, and every once in a while, I found myself being like, I want to get to see more of these guys and less of this these trappings and ornamentation. You know what I mean? Because well, really, for me, the, this movie is all about these characters. I'd see. I don't think that necessarily is the case mm-hmm. for Quentin, and I don't. That, think, I know, and um, I and I know. This is just a, a personal uh, preference, taste type of thing. Well, the case against this film that a lot of people had was that, like, w- what's the point? Mm-hmm. What is the point of this film? It's just very. It seems long. Mm-hmm. It does seem like, why should we invest so much mm-hmm. in these characters? And I mean, it's really his love letter to, yeah, to sixties Hollywood. Yeah, it's it. It very clearly is is. Just like it was a passion project for him, like it very, it very much feels like kind of. very something uh, maybe almost like I don't know, like it felt more personal, yeah, than a lot of his other films do. So apparently he, you know, he obviously he plays a huge part in creating the film, not just mm-hmm. directing. Um, and he just knew like what songs were on mm-hmm. the radio at the time, uh, what posters were where, mm-hmm. what uh, the storefronts looked like. So yeah, he was very invested, and I wonder if. Um, it reminds me of like how we're sold nostalgia a lot, and people. Oh, yeah. It was. I just think it's funny that people complain about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it's like, well, it's just him being nostalgic. I'm like, that's like every movie we get now, and they at least Quentin's like, yeah, no, we're going back to the '60s. We're mm-hmm. gonna revel in the '60s. Well, also, they're not like, yeah. hey, here's Ghostbusters. Well, the people, remake. people get people get judgmental about nostalgia when it's something they're not nostalgic about. Hmm. Like if like someone was coming out with a film. A remake of a movie to a movie that you are nostalgic for, you're excited about it. But I disagree. You don't think so? I disagree. I think, I mean, maybe this is just me, but when I heard they were remake, were doing like new Jurassic Park movies, I was like, no, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll go see it. I like Jurassic Park, but I really am nervous that you guys mm-hmm. are going to nostalgic train this up, and mm-hmm. then thus far they kind of have. Oh. Oh, sorry. We're popular on YouTube now. <laughs> that, that was a YouTube I, I comment. Don't know if that was you and me. But that was me. Cool. A YouTube comment. A new YouTube comment. You got to comment while we're making the video. Yo. Um, um, no, I get it. I think for me, I I really like this movie because for me, it was all about the characters. The characters were so awesome. Some of my favorite characters from a Quentin Tarantino movie ever, mm. like like Cliff and Rick, I think are two of my favorite yeah. Tarantino characters that he's ever made. Yeah. Especially in like the last like ten years. Yeah. Like. I would put these guys over anybody in Hateful Eight, anybody in Glorious Bastards, anybody, mm-hmm. mostly anybody from Django. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, looking back, like these guys are two of the best characters I think he's ever written. In yeah. My opinion. And also some of the most real characters he's ever written. He, he Tarantino has a, t- a particular kind of hyper stylized type of thing that he does in his movies. Mm-hmm. These characters felt like they could be real people to me. Yeah. Well, they are, right? I mean, this is very much looking at them behind the mm-hmm. scenes as opposed to just telling a story right. straight out. And, uh, yeah, like, the the job DiCaprio does of playing the kind of hammy Western mm-hmm. villain, oh. but then breaking into the sad actor who can't quite get it right uh, is <laughs> just incredible. And Brad Pitt, when he smokes the uh, the cigarette, and he fir- especially when he first notices it, he's kind of, like, pointing to his dog, and then he just follows his hand for a minute... Just kind of follows it around. He's so good. And when he's laughing at the uh, the Manson guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, we'll get to that last really scene. Great. I'm sure. Well, I think we should reserve some time specifically. For oh, that abs- absolutely. Um, I do want to talk scene. about the nostalgia factor for mm-hmm. him because I do think there is a statement he's making about where we're at in Hollywood mm-hmm. now. And 
part of this fairy tale ending that mm-hmm. we get is him wondering how would the landscape of Hollywood be different. Uh, that time it was him. That time it was me. Um, we'd be like, how is the landscape mm-hmm. of Hollywood different, right? Um, because there's a, a scene where DiCaprio is talking to the little girl. Mm-hmm. And what, what book is she reading? I don't remember. She's reading a book about Walt Disney. That's right. A biography of Walt Disney. And, and gushing about how great of a man he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is Rick Dalton reading? He's reading a small, personal cowboy story about loss. Mm-hmm. Kind of a more... I remember, yeah. Artistic, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, more personal story. Mm-hmm. And literally comparing it to Disney, which is now running our world and mm-hmm. kind of... And making movies that a lot of them are really fun, mm-hmm. but I mean we've had some of these screen or these uh, famous directors like Scorsese come out mm-hmm. and say that the movies are just kind of theme park rides; they're not actual cinema. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is Quentin kind of long for that time where movies had a little bit more freedom to to be artistic, to mm-hmm. take risks that aren't just calculated, that aren't. We're going to put this guy in this role because he's going to net us this amount of profits. We're going to make sure that we include this in the movie because that has more profits. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting though. I mean, but I don't know if that's necessarily true because I think we get a little bit of that oh, in dude. in no, I mean, I mean in this movie, really uh, with Al Pacino's character. You know, Al Pacino comes in and has that meeting with Rick right in the beginning, and he's he basically he's doing this like he like lays it out. He's like they're doing this to you, like they've done this to this, and they're going to do that to you, and they like it's like. Kind of like even back then, the studio system was like had their people and they had their little formula and they had their little track and like, hey, we're gonna take you, we're gonna put you there, and then once you get to a certain point, we're gonna start putting you here against these people. You know what I mean? They 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 had their like stable of actors that they would go to for specific things. But what about like the story themes? Like no, that, I I can agree with you stuff. there. I think there was more range for directors to have mm-hmm. their own. So, I mean. That was the time when, like, you know, Ford Coppola was basically saying, mm-hmm. this is what's happening in this movie. This is how much we're going to spend on it. Mm-hmm. I'm Francis Ford Coppola now, so you're going to effing do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were lots of directors that had kind of more power in that way. And, mm-hmm. and now, again, with these kind of modern ones, I mean, look at Star Wars, the very last movie, right? The, that was such a, we are mm-hmm. going to get all the numbers right so we can hit it as close down the middle as possible. We're going to piss off everybody, but we're also not going <sighs> to totally enrage everyone. It's going to be just kind of a... Very basic. Scene. We're gonna make sure nobody's happy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> everybody's gonna be um, a little bit disappointed. Yeah, and I think I think that's Tarantino long for that. That's why I also think uh, mm. it ties in a little bit with the Irishman because I think the mm. Irishman is also Scorsese looking back at his career and saying like, yeah, like I I do kind of miss this and I mm. do, you know, the days are gone now and now I'm a little bit older and uh, I think he like fell asleep at the Oscars if I'm not mistaken. Mm. He's, he's an old man. I didn't know that. He's an old man. Like, what's he gonna do? And. Uh, yeah, I think I think some of our great directors that are getting a little bit older. Tarantino's not not as old as Scorsese, of course, but starting to get up there and, and mm-hmm. look at the industry now and how. I mean, it's just so many superhero films, right? It's so mm-hmm. many of these big budget CGI films, and they're they're wondering what happened to their Hollywood. Mm. Interesting. That's an interesting way to look at it. I really, yeah, that makes sense. It, it, for me, I debate me. No, I know. No, <laughs> I it makes sense. I, I, sorry. Um, I don't know. Like for me, like when I watched this movie, I kind of struggled to pull a lot of things out of it for yeah. me because, like, I I don't know. Like for me, like I said, I'm locking into these characters and I understand these people really, really well. 
and I love the story that's playing out, but I, I'm struggling to find without just just like pulling something from my own perspective and like mapping it on. Like I'm not sure. I don't want to map something onto this movie that I don't know exactly what's going on. You know what I mean? That's what film analysis. I know. Is, dude. But for me, for me, and for this movie in particular, other than the fact that I know I love that it is a fantasy. Like it's it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So yeah. like immediately, it's like Once Upon a Time is a is. The, the first line in every fantasy story, right? I do think, I don't know how you feel about this, but mm-hmm. I know the fact that it comes up right at the end after mm-hmm. everything happens, that really put the whole thing into context mm-hmm. for me. Because I, you know, I was just like, oh, it's Upon a Time Hollywood, it's a catchy title, I mm-hmm. guess, so cool. Yeah. Um, but when it happens in that right. way at the end, did you, did you feel that way? Yeah, the time you well, saw it? I think that's what made it, made it more palatable for me. So, like, a few people I talked to after this film d- were felt a little raw about Sharon Tate, right? Yeah. There is this there is this argument to be made about you using Sharon Tate in this movie in, in the way that they do. I think it was done very tastefully and very respectfully. Too, yeah. There were lots of really great moments where like they used actually Sharon Tate's footage in that wrecking crew clip yeah. instead of it superimposing Margot Robbie's face on there. I and just expecting like, you know what, everybody you know that Margot Robbie, you get it. Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate, but we're gonna keep Sharon Tate's yeah. face. Yeah. Like, I, like things like that, I thought was really tasteful mm-hmm. of, of Tarantino. But the idea of like, I don't know, centering this movie around around those murders and that that horrific event, I think rubs some people the wrong way. Even though, even though the family had given their expressed you know approval and things like that, and got to see the movie early and approve people are everything. Sensitive, man. Yeah, people I'm are sorry. sensitive, no, no, and so and what and for me, what makes it this movie okay? Not not solely, but like what I would say to somebody that felt a little bit raw about it, I was like, well, because this movie is a fantasy, this is more of like, hey, like look, this is a world now where she can live on. Kind of yeah, thing. It's, it's totally yeah. him recognizing right. her. I mean, I, I'll be honest, yes. I was not a, it's, I didn't really know. I know that the Mansons murdered. Right. A woman named Sharon Tate. I knew nothing mm-hmm. of her, though, other mm-hmm. than that, and so I know more about her. Now. Right, and I, I right, like, and so, yeah, it's like and you know what? Tarantino just created a, a universe. If you believe in like multiverse and things like that, or like even like the spiritual kind of thing, mm-hmm. he created a world where she is still alive. I really even I don't know if he even thought about that deeply. Maybe maybe that's the case. and it's kind of like but this and or like in a way it's like this is where the story actually begins. Yeah, like by putting the once upon a time at the end, it's like. Mm-hmm. You guys just watched the story before the fantasy. The prequel. Right. You yeah. watched. You got to watch the story that set up this, this new fantasy world. So his world. next film's going to be called The End in Hollywood. <laughs> the End of <laughs> Hollywood? I'm actually going to see it. <laughs> the End of Hollywood. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I didn't really understand why people had critiques on that. I know some people had uh, problems with the fact that she didn't have too many speaking lines, I guess. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, one of the most pleasant parts of the film is when she's watching herself on screen mm-hmm. and just like... With her, like a child. with her feet up. Yeah, yeah. Well, lots of feet in this movie. Um, There's a lot of feet in this movie. Yeah. Um, if you guys didn't know, Tarantino loves feet. Yes, he does. I had to say it. You sure did. And I did. So, <laughs> it's one of the most pleasant parts from watching herself, and, and she's just childlike in her joy mm-hmm. and hearing other people laugh and like laughing with them. And it, mm-hmm. it never comes off as like a cocky, like, yeah, I'm so funny. It's just a, like, yeah, this is so cool. I'm like living my yeah. dream, kind of. And, yeah, Margot Robbie is, is so charming. She's very, yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, from so so 
there were a handful of so Rick and Cliff are both fictional characters. They're not yeah. real. They're not based on real people. No. But then we had our, our mixture, our kind of mix-ins of actual people. Mm-hmm. A lot of it being Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski. Um, gosh, what's the name of the songwriter that, uh, or the other guy that, that Neil Steve Hirsch McQueen, played? Um, yeah. JC something. Yeah. So there was that whole group there, right? And then also like we had the Manson family, and we even had a moment of Charles Manson. Yeah. Um, something that I wanted to ask you is. This movie is kind of, not on purpose, but was kind of sold a little bit on being like a Manson movie, in a way. How do you feel about Charles Manson only being in like one clip? Like literally, you only see him very, very briefly, and then you don't ever see him ever again. I really didn't feel like that was the case. I thought that was the internet making it more mm-hmm. the case. Well, I know, like, they even showed the clip of Manson in the trailer. Yeah, because that's like, a part of it. It's I know. Like, this, like, showing, would you rather them just show, like, these deranged kids? Like, no, you show Manson because he is a part of the story, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was, it was. seems to me when I watched the trailers again mm-hmm. that it was very clearly, like, yeah, they're a part of the story as well, mm-hmm. and we're going to be dealing with the Sharon Tate murders at some mm-hmm. point, but this is really more about these guys. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I mean, the trailers, it's similar. There's, like, you know... The same percentage of Manson in trailers the same as the movie, probably. Like, probably pretty close. You think? Yeah, it's really... Uh, I mean, like, just the Manson, like, references. That's okay. Not, not him. Not entirely. mathematically. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. And I thought... I think it's better, man. Mm-hmm. Like, do we want to give this guy screen time no. to potentially be a character that we're like, he's kind of he's cool, actually. That guy yeah. like, played for, him fun. For me, it felt like a way of illustrating his his power over people as Mm -hmm. as far as like the way he acted he was a puppet master you know what I mean like he didn't have to ever be he was we don't even see him on his ranch yeah you know we see him once in the hills and we never see him again yeah but yet he's still orchestrating all this other kind of B story that's going on underneath everything Mm -hmm. without ever having to see him do anything and like that for me showed showed that, he doesn't orchestrate a B story. No, I mean the whole, well, the whole like all the stuff with like the ranch and all the and and then I don't think kind of this really catalyst at the end. I, like the only orchestration I think he has is the end, right. where he's sending people out to do mm-hmm. it. But like the ranch, I, I mean, sure, I guess he had them there, but the whole interaction with Cliff, I don't mm-hmm. think he's. Oh, that seems so good though. Yeah, but I think we should talk about how Tarantino is. Really like a master of tension. Oh, that scene was so intense. It was so good. Yeah, just... So, I thought something was going to go down there. I don't think he's really thought of that often in that sense, but Oof. I mean, he really is... And that's something that is looming over this film the whole time, is yeah. that we know, okay, that's Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. He's showing us the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all coming. This is, I, we know it's coming. I almost scene, thought... Yeah. I almost thought that this... that This, this would have actually wrecked the movie for me if this had been what happened. I thought that when he was setting up was that Cliff going to that ranch and doing that is what causes the murders. Mm. Like they find his car there and they think he's in that house. Oh, okay. And I was like, if this movie does that, that I, I hate that. <laughs> I thought they were going to kill Cliff. And I was like, don't, well, you, don't you dare. Well, that's why I thought, well, I thought they were going to do that too. But, but, but I thought that I was like, I if, didn't think if he causes the murders, that upsets me. I really did not think that he was going to have Sharon Tate die in this film. I know I I didn't think that either. I just that's not his way, and like he does these revisionist history movies, mm-hmm. right? With uh, Django, with uh, right. Boris Bastard. So I was like, there's no way he's gonna have a pregnant Sharon Tate get murdered in his, mm-hmm. in his movie at the end. Like he's just not. No. Um, but yeah, the scene when 
he's there and he just won't take no for an answer and he keeps going to see his friends and uh gosh. Bruce Dern. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It really uh, is. Spain, I think is the last And Spain. what's so funny, Spain, right, yeah. is that he is having this almost uh real western moment right mm-hmm. you know walking through the town have a, a, a showdown a yeah bit. a little bit and uh even the way he shoots that interaction between him and the red-haired girl mm-hmm. where we're just now getting like these kind of weird dutch angles on him and mm-hmm. the girl too to kind of increase the tension and, and show the power dynamics mm-hmm. uh really great stuff but so he's going through this western case mm-hmm. right and meanwhile his uh, the actor, because she's the stunt double, is going through a fake western. Yep. So you have the stunt double doing a real western yeah. and the actor doing a fake western yep. at the same time. And it's good. It's yeah, so it's, good. It's nice stuff. Yeah. Uh, and even like a like Timothy Oliphant coming in there for like one yeah. like one little kind of sequence was great. Yeah. He was so good. In oh, that this little was, I mean, role. so many people. And even in that in yeah. that ranch scene, it's a ton of like name actresses that that we know, and mm-hmm. also just like daughters of famous directors. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, like uh, Kevin Smith's daughter was in mm-hmm. there. Dakota Fanning was the red-haired girl. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many people in this movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I think um, uh, Ethan Hawke's daughter, Robin, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, play, played uh, one of the... Uh, one of the... You think Cliff Booth really cares that she's not 18? That was that was the one I'm like, I don't think Cliff gives a shit. I don't, I don't know. I think... <laughs> I think he does care. I don't think he does. I, I think he does. Then why do you need to? Why do you do it? Because they had to have that in the movie to like dictate that he, oh. he didn't. Um, oh, so you're saying you just don't think? He... I'm just saying like Cliff does not strike me as this guy who's like, yeah, that's no, I, that's where I draw the line. Like he doesn't strike me. I don't that. know. I think there's something about Cliff that he's he's a he's he's rough around the edges. He's a little blunt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he he's very uh, uh, upfront. He's not gonna bullshit you, but like ultimately he's a good dude. You know what I mean? I like, mean he m- murdered his wife. Allegedly. Allegedly. We don't know. But even then, they like the way if that's the moment that like that little clip that we get is when he murders his wife. It's still kind of like in a weird way, like. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I'm learning something about Ricky. If, I don't think he murdered his wife. And he seems like he cares about a lot of people. He cares about his dog. He cares about Rick. I don't think we're supposed to actually think that they're good guys, like Rick and him. I don't think... I don't think Rick's a good guy. Uh, Yeah, I don't... don't, But I think it's okay to still Mm -hmm. like them and see their complexities and see that they... You know, Rick has obviously had this career, Mm -hmm. so some of his egotism comes from that. Mm -hmm. And yet he is still insecure. And uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm just... Well, I don't really see Cliff do other than allegedly killing his wife. We don't know. I mean, even before the he film, gets before he finally tells the girl, "No, you're not 18." He's been eyeing her the entire time. Right. Clearly, she's young, and he's pretty old. And that's fair. There's some. That's fair. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's like, "Yeah, that's where I draw the line here in the in the, in the free love 70s or 60s." Yeah, like, yeah. Just saying. A little nitpick. Sure, you can nitpick all you want. Um, let's let's go to uh, unless you have something more to talk about. Oh no, the, I, uh, grand finale. No, um, uh, let's see, did I have anything other specific than that? No, I just want. I did want to talk about that ranch scene because that scene is so intense and so good. And then when he comes out and the the tires are slashing, he just loses it. Oh, kind of right. Yeah. That's what's so cool about him is he really doesn't raise his voice too much, except when he tells them to back up or he'll knock his teeth out. Mm-hmm. But he just punches that guy so and sends him flying. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. That's such a good. Scene. Yeah. 
Oh, loved it. Yeah. And it, I had a new appreciation for this movie having lived here now because like he he like Booth lives all the way up in like the valley, so like he's in Van Nuys and stuff, and like he got off at one of the exits that I used to live by and things like that. So mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, like I can drive that that same uh, highway all the way home kind yeah. of thing. And it's it's kind of nice to see things that you recognize. And not to mention how hard they had to have had worked to remove all the contemporary stuff from um, L.A. Yeah. Like, they had to bust their butts. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure there are, mis, there, there are mistakes. I don't think so, man. I, I could not. I was actually I mean, looking. they did, like, four blocks. Yeah. And so, yeah I was actually looking, so. and I didn't see yeah. any. So, I'm like, I was pretty impressed that, yeah. like, there was, like, no anachronisms whatsoever. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the Bruce Lee controversy in this film? Yeah, about, about... Uh, like no yeah like how they treated Bruce Lee yeah. I think again it is a case of a little oversensitivity yeah I agree because for me it's like A Bruce Lee was just a human being like he was a cocky dude yeah he was he was really yeah. cocky he, you know he had a bravado about him but yeah, also to be, but... but also like he, he was one of the, the best fighters in the world but no. that does not mean that he could not have had a fight. I think what we're seeing there too, I, I really think that scene is supposed to show us that he is an unreliable narrator. I mean, I don't think he actually threw him into a car. I don't think that actually happened. I mean, right. it, is a, idea, it is a Bruce story. Lee, and you see how like, in like the third round, right after he throws, like Bruce Lee gets him, he throws mm-hmm. him into the car, and then they come back and he is like, he's not just fighting, he's, he's owning him. He's like blocking everything, hitting him back. I mean, so, yeah, it seems to me a little bit like, okay, this is... And also, all the people that were watching are gone, right? Right. So, it seems to me that we're just setting up, you know, Cliff is kind of an unreliable narrator. Yeah. I can't trust him all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was a bunch of hogwash. It bunch was, of hogwash. Is, uh, I, yeah, I think I was like... I was like, no, like, the, A, how many Bruce Lee... Like, time, how, how many times do we portray Bruce Lee in movies ever? Mm. Never. Right? We never see Bruce Lee. So he might as well perpetrate himself. No! No, what I'm saying is, like, it's kind of the same thing with, like, Sharon Tate. Like, you learn a little bit about Sharon Tate because you watch this movie and, yeah. and, and fell in love with this movie. And you're like, okay, now I want to know more about Sharon Tate. Yeah. It can be the same thing with, like, Bruce Lee. It's like, Bruce Lee also is kind of a badass in this movie. Like, he, and he plays, comes off as hockey, but he also is, kicks some butt, you know? Yeah. So people who don't know who Bruce Lee is that will watch a Tarantino movie can be like, oh, who's this Bruce Lee guy? Is that, was that a real person? I can introduce yeah, I mean, we see him later stuff. too, like being very kind with Sharon and teaching her the fight moves, right? Mm-hmm. In her little flashback. So yeah, I, I thought it was much to do about that. Right. Yeah, and he's like I said, he's a human. He was not perfect, you know. Like, I don't know what you know, what what people want. Like, not every real life person has to be treated with such reverence all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's fine, and it's not indicative of the person. Like, it's no, it's not. Movie. Um, with the Manson mm-hmm. finale, where. Uh, it is drawn out so well. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for this the whole time. We see that the boys are both very drunk. Cliff has that cigarette that's dipped in acid, mm-hmm. right? So he's gonna be feeling loopy. Uh, it really does. Kind of, the second time, it's a little bit different because you mm-hmm. know what's coming. But that first time, I remember just feeling like, oh god, no, this is like who's it's going what's, down. What's, what's yeah. gonna happen here? What's yeah. gonna happen? It, it was. You're right. It, yeah. The movie because you. Here's the thing. Going into the movie, you know. That's it's leading to this moment. Yeah. This movie is leading to this crucial, crucial moment, mm-hmm. and you're like, 
as soon as like he starts, as soon as Rick starts interacting with him, you're like, oh god, yeah, oh no, <laughs> and like you're like, this something's gonna happen. This is all gonna go down now. The red-haired girl's looking at me. Goes, what are you looking at, you little ginger fucker? <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. It was so good. But then what makes it even better is then he goes. He goes and puts his headphones on yeah. and go and gets in the pool. Yeah. And so he doesn't even know what the heck's going on. No idea. And so like you're like, oh no, you know, he doesn't even know that they're there. Yeah. And oh, we're just watching how Cliff deals with everything happening around him, all with this big goofy smile, and he has that moment where he's just cracking up. And uh, the Manson killer gets to say that famous line about mm. like, uh, I'm the devil, I'm here to do the devil's bidding, and he's just like no, your name's stupider than that. It was uh, Rex or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And then just like the cathartic. When the, for me, it was the can to the face. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was. I when I was in the theater, I just had an audible, just like breakdown of just, laughter. Yeah, that cracked. And I was just like, yeah, oh my so god, funny. this movie. And then just the dog and biting the, the guy's nuts and just like <sighs> everything. Yeah, the moment when Cliff looks down and sees that he's been stabbed and just looks at this. Poor girl who's about to, not a poor girl, fuck her, she's a yeah. dancing killer. Um, and just bashes her face and oh my god. Yeah, and then and then and one of my favorite moments is is Rick coming coming out with the flamethrower that they set up way in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But him talking about how yeah, like I actually used that flamethrower, they had to teach me how to use it, and that is a that is a terrible weapon that you don't want to be on the other end of. That was improv, too. Uh, his, oh, my God. When he, when he burns it, he goes like, whoa. So then we could, uh, yeah, he was actually, like, thrown off by how hot it was. And so he improv that line <laughs> about, uh, can we do something about the heat? It's a flamethrower. <laughs> it's so, and I love the moment. Like, he goes into his shed, and he yeah. pulls out an actual flamethrower. And they play the score of that movie, too, right? Oh, uh, so good. So good. Such a great moment. And you're right. Just pure catharsis. Yeah. Of like, because every, everybody in the theater wants those people to die. Yeah. Everybody. And we kind of, especially even, I'd say even more so, the fact that they then decide, you know what, let's go take out Dalton instead. Mm -hmm. That does lead us to like, oh, okay, what's going to happen then? Because mm -hmm. we know the original story, right. and so they're pivoting right, right. now. If, if now it puts and into a realm of. guys don't exist, yeah. so it seems like you would be able to just take them off. And yeah, right. It puts into a realm of now, now who knows what could happen? Because yeah. now we're off of actual history. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought so that was great. fantastic. So and, uh, good. Do you, think, do you think the last one who gets burned, you think she's going to look back on that in a couple of years and just be like, I think I, sc I screamed a little bit too much. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much. The actress? Yeah. I don't know if that was the, the direction, but it, it's a little, it's a lot of screaming. It is. It is I've never been. That whole scene is a little bit much, but like, you want it to be that much at that point. That's like, she's like Tarantino's a, I mean, been very restrained for this whole movie. Here's the much, and she's like, here. You don't, you don't think, here's, I feel like Tarantino's a, a pretty perfectionist type of director. No. So I think if he didn't like it, he would have asked her to do it again. Yeah. I'm, or at least ADR. And even in the pool, when right. she's like just thrashing with her. Yeah, yeah I'm just. Or at least yeah. the, do the ADR different. Yeah. No, I've never been attacked by a dog right. and right. had a can thrown in my face, so maybe that's just. Maybe she's just in a real lot of pain. Yeah. I think. I think he wanted to overdo it there. Yeah. Like, I think that was a choice. Yeah. To like be like, no, we're just going to go all the way with this. Yeah. Like, because it almost is like a big, like, F you to those people. Oh, yeah. For like, sure, like, like right. a spiritual, like, seriously, like, Fuck you. It's like, I mean, 
It's like another saying, like, man, if I could just get my hands on Exactly. Yeah. Like, and that's what it was. I, so I, I think he wanted to just turn it up to, like, 12. You know what I mean? I remember when I saw Taken, and I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but it's all right. I, I enjoy Taken. It's, it's fine. Um, my dad, though, like, really loved it, and he told me, you know, son, like, when you have a daughter, you, you'd understand. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if someone took your sister's... I would do that too. I'm like, Dad, you wouldn't. And, and they do not have the skills. You do not have a particularly particular yeah. set of skills. You do not have a particular set of skills. You would get to the, you would land, and then you'd be lost. You would never find them. <laughs> <laughs> you would never but, find them. Did yeah. you tell? Did you tell your cell company you're going out of the yeah. country because they probably shut down for your service? But that's what, that's what it is, right? So I'd like, I this is what I would do if I get my hands on that, like. And then it's like, Dad, but then what about me? Yeah. No, I said, no, I'd love to thank you. <laughs> I've been trying to sell you for years. My parents always said that if I ever did get kidnapped, they wouldn't be worried because they would bring me back <laughs> because I talk so much. They'd be, like, they'd be like, we don't want him. He's too much. He's, he's too much. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I was like, thanks, guys. Thank you? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So, I, any other thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, Angel Grizzlies? Um... It's so tough because I just um, so much good stuff. I I just had to say the little girl actress. She, she was so, really yeah, good. Yeah, she's For fantastic. me, same. I mean, she's supposed to be Jodie Foster as a kid. Oh really? Yeah. Or she's some famous actress, and who apparently mm -hmm. that's how she was as a child. Like, Very precocious. Just super. Yeah, like oh, you know, I'm an actress, so I don't want to eat before my take because it makes me sluggish. And I think if you could be even like one percent better, it's your job to do it. Like like whoa, yeah. she is on it. Ugh. <laughs> I also think that's a reference, though, to Cliff, I think, or mm -hmm. not Cliff, sorry, to uh, Rick Dalton, mm -hmm. because I think part of this moment for him in his life is mm -hmm. recognizing maybe I haven't always worked as hard as I could have. Mm -hmm. Maybe right. I haven't like, always... He's gotten away with being kind of a mediocre And actor. now it's, now my chances are, are running out. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, same same realm of the movie, same part of the movie, but Timothy for the old fans character. Mm. He was just you so watch that show? Yeah. yeah. I would totally watch that show. You know what I mean? I do love uh, when DiCaprio is learning his lines and he has recorded the other person's lines. So Spanish, Spanish, Spanish! No, no, the best one is when it's like uh, oh si senor and he's doing these like terrible racist voices. <laughs> <laughs> Or he does like the little girl's voice on too. Yeah, it's uh, it's really funny. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I've done that that same technique too, where I've recorded the other lines and done yeah. it like that. I think we've all done that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th I thought Timothy Oliphant just coming in there playing this like new, not even young. Like, Timothy Oliphant's not like young, so like yeah. the fact that he's like superseding mm -hmm. uh, Rick's character is like you're not that much younger than he's him. Way out, yeah. Uh, uh, so but I thought he just played that so well and that scene for them is so good because it's like there's such a meta-ness going on with like okay so we're watching the making of this TV show mm. but we know the act the actors and we know that they're acting and we know that this is them shooting it it's like there's just like yeah. such a meta thing going on mm -hmm. that makes that moment so much more fun yeah. of like of like you know this is actually them shooting this so mm -hmm. it makes it really fun although if that is the case it's edited already, and like we're pushing it. Yeah, I know. Nitpicking. I know. Um, but but that's what I think it's funny because it's like, okay, oh, yeah, they're doing they're doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when you think about this movie, when someone mm -hmm. just brings up like, hey, you ever seen that movie Once Upon a Time? Yeah. What's the first scene or the thing of it that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to my mind uh, <laughs> is the is the end. The end is the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's. Uh, 
Cliff Booth laughing with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, for me, it's, it's the, my very first thing is the can to the face. Yeah. It's just that, that, that visceral, like, pop that it makes when it hits that person's face. And because, because my reaction to it in the theater was just so, like, spontaneously, like, surprised. Yeah. Because I was like, I did not think that that's where this was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that moment, it brings me back to that moment when I was in the theater with my buddies. And we were, you know, at, at the Chinese theater, and just that can hitting the face, and I was like, "Oh, you know, like this is great. Yeah. This is what we came for, buddy. <laughs> you know, a little Tarantino." Well, I think that's it for us. Yeah. So that was our review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Please join in the conversation if you want to. Comment, like, and share. Let us know what you think. We definitely want to hear it. Now. On Love Watch, we have a couple of really, really fun segments coming up. For every person that got an Oscar nomination or won an Oscar, there are lots of people that didn't. And we wanted to pay a little bit of respects to the great, great work that a lot of people did that didn't get them Oscars this year. So Justin and I have started our own little award show that we're calling the Oscars. So here's a little sneak peek of what you might hear on our Oscars ceremony. All right, now for our next category in the Oscars, we have the Best Actress. Now, we have Aquafina in The Farewell as a, a nominee, uh, Lupita Nyong'o in Us. We have Florence Pugh in Midsummer. Uh, I mean, she could win an Oscar, which would be way better than winning. More an Oscar. prestigious. I mean, she didn't win one, but I, I'm More sure. More prestigious than an she was Oscar. Like, at least that still opens me up for the Oscars. Yeah. Um, Jillian Bell for Britney Runs a Marathon. Mm. Uh, Julia Fox for Uncut Gems. And we had these two that we wanted to shout out. Um, Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers, which admittedly neither of us have seen, but we've heard amazing things from people who mm. I have very high opinion of. Yes, uh, me there. too. Yeah. Um, and Anna Damaris in Knives Out. Yeah, Anna Damaris. Anna Damaris. If you want to check out the rest of the Oscars, that video is going to be hitting the web next week, so keep an eye out for that. Speaking of something to keep an eye out for, Justin and I made a little parody trailer for you guys. Um, it will be coming out also next week, but one of the stars of the trailer wanted to say a little something to you. Here she is. Hello, I'm Alexa, star of the upcoming sequel to Spike Jones's Her, Hers. Thank you for listening to the Love Watch podcast today. Please like, share, and follow for more pop culture content. And keep an eye out for the first Hers trailer dropping next week on the Love Watch channel. Alright Love Watchers, I'll see you next time. Bye. That was our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with the more Love Watch podcast next week. More cool things, more content. Make sure you like, share. You gotta follow us, subscribe, do all the things you gotta do to make sure you stay up to date on all the cool things that we're doing on this podcast and on this channel. We got lots more things coming to you, so have a good time. I'll see you later. Bye.